Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastors, scholars, study a scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons for the upcoming weeks. My guest this week is Jordan Reif. Jordan is a worship leader and worship pastor at College Wesleyan Church, which is my local church. She's been there a long time, and she is a just a real genius of a worship leader, both as a musician, of course, but especially in terms of really integrating insights from the Christian year, the church year, as well as the way that songs are intertwined with one another through her own worship words that she constructs every week. She doesn't think of herself as a preacher because she doesn't go on at length as most preachers do, but she's honestly one of my favorite preachers. I love hearing the way that she exposits the Word of God in just uh, simple ways throughout her leading of worship. And uh, she's also a friend of mine, and we love talking about scripture. And I've been wanting to have her on the show for a long time because I love the way she reads scripture, but just kind of waiting for a, a fitting time. And this seemed like a fitting one because our text this week is Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and it's the epistle lesson for Christ the King Sunday. And as you'll hear in this episode, we talk a little bit about some of the creative things that she and her team do to leverage Christ the King Sunday and its location in the church year as kind of at the end and, and then starting over the beginning with Advent the following week. So I just really wanted my listeners, y'all, to get to encounter her insights and her spirit. So yeah, so thanks so much uh, for listening. And if you're enjoying the show as you're listening along, be sure to pass it along to others uh, so they can enjoy it as well. Simply just press the share button on your podcast player app of choice and others will get to enjoy it as well. And if you'd like to support the show uh, financially and get some extra content, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways that you can become a patron saint of the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Jordan. Revelation 1, 4 through 8. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is who always was and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for who you are, who you were, and for Mm -hmm. what you are still about to do. Mm -hmm. You are the Almighty, the ruler over all things. And so in this text, we're being invited, among other things, to to behold, Mm -hmm. to behold you, to behold 
uh, your son Jesus and his coming toward us. And so we are thankful that he has already come and that his glory was beheld. And we are waiting with anticipation his coming again to behold him as he truly is. Mm-hmm. So in this time between his first and his final coming, we just ask that our conversation now would be gently guided by the grace of your Holy Spirit, that the very spirit that inspired these words, I think the author at one point even says that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, hmm. so that the spirit that he was in as he penned these words and saw these visions, that that spirit would be working between and among Jordan and I, and between and among all those who will be listening in, separated as they are by time and space, that your spirit would move us to hear the word and to behold the lamb. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we always just start with observations. So what do you notice? What do you observe here? What captures your attention and imagination today? Well, I love right at the beginning, um, it's at the end of verse 5, uh, the list of, of things that Christ, yeah. who, who he is. Faithful witness, first to rise from the dead, rule of all the kings of the world. That language is powerful and intriguing and also makes you kind of go, what is happening? <laughs> mm. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? The first to rise from the dead. What is actually being communicated here? What are we talking about? And I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. For me, as I've been pondering that, and Daniel and I, Daniel's my husband. um, He and I talk a lot about Christ as the new and better Adam, the second Adam, Mm. and, and this invitation into the new humanity through Jesus Christ. And so it's interesting that they say he's the first to rise from the dead when in the gospels, we actually have other accounts of that, right? Lazarus is like, wait a second. Mm. Um, And, and so obviously he's not meaning necessarily that, but instead an invitation into a, a new kind of humanity. And that excites me, that intrigues me. And that is, is what I love about being a Christian, a follower of Christ is that I'm invited into something different and bigger than my own life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I, I'd love to camp out on five. So let's just look at, so this is starting out as a greeting, I guess, looking mm-hmm. back to four, grace and peace. And you have three, three that are listed from whom this greeting is given. So mm-hmm. we'll start with five where your, your eyes were drawn from Jesus, Messiah. So just one little, just Greek geek moment yeah. is just the structure of the sentence. If you were to like, kind of just look at the way the like where the definite articles are. Again, you can't translate things exactly into yeah. English, but if you were to just follow it woodenly, you have four descriptors. Hmm. Most translations do what yours do and combine the first two. Oh. But just to hear the rhythm of it, so I'm making more a poetic point here than like a, the Bible actually doesn't <laughs> actually, and I don't want to be that guy, right? But so and so this grace and peace from Jesus Messiah, and then here's the, the four, the statements. The witness. Mm-hmm. The faithful, wow, the firstborn from the dead, and the archon. I'll just leave it untranslated for a moment. The yeah. archon of 
the kingdoms of the earth. Wow. Now, structurally, this, the third and the fourth there obviously are longer because they mm-hmm. have those of statements yeah. after them, each one getting longer, which again has a beat to it, which might be one of the many reasons why you might combine the first two so that okay. they're more equal in size. Yeah. And you can one, sorry to Greek geek this long. I love it. Do it. One of, <laughs> one of the, one of the ways you can make something an adjective on a word in Greek is to just repeat it to say, you know, like, so you could say like you play acoustic guitar. Okay. So you could say the acoustic guitar. So you put the adjective yep. noun, or you could say the guitar, the acoustic. Mm. And if you said that mm-hmm. everyone would hear that as an adjective. Gotcha. And there's no punctuation in the original. So we, we have no idea if there's supposed to be a comma there or not, you know, yeah. we just have to guess. Yeah. So it's completely fine to say the faithful witness. And I, I'm fine with that. I like it even. But I also like the thought of just saying the witness. Yeah. The faithful one. Yeah. The, the same thing happens in, uh, in the, I know I'm just making a grammar point here, but it, it, it's another fun one. At the baptism, he says, you are my son. Mm-hmm. You are my beloved son. But some translations will say you are my son, the beloved. Yeah. It's the same structure. Yeah. So it can go either way. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. There's not much to that. But the idea that he, but this goes back then to your point, because they get kind of increasingly radical. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if he's kind of the new humanity, the new Adam, or or as Paul sometimes puts it, the last Adam, which yeah. is an interesting mm-hmm. twist on the second Adam or new Adam, they get increasingly more intense, right? It's like mm-hmm. he's a witness. Oh, okay. So he he bore witness to who God is. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's the faithful witness. Okay. So his witness is true. The firstborn yeah. from the dead. And that kind of raises the stakes and connects it up to him being like the son of God who's been raised from the dead. But then all of us are still to come, mm-hmm. you know. And then the the archon, the this, this this is like the source or the beginning or the yeah. the authority, the principalities and powers. That's yeah. this word. Yeah. So he's the prince, is what I'd say. The the prince of the kingdoms of the earth, or wow. something like that. He's okay. The, this is so. A, go ahead. Run. With this it. is an aside question, so you can edit this out, but is there any correlation of you, as you've studied, I've been over the last week, been camping out in the temptation of Christ. Is there any correlation like the three temptation, you know, uh, is there any correlation in revelation to that? Cause it, it feels like it could match, but you know, how sometimes you look for things you're like, maybe that's not a match. Well, it's a correlation we can make. Let's think it through. <laughs> so, so the whole stones to bread and then throw yourself off the tower and then I'll take you to this highest point and make you, you know, the rule, it feels like it could match. Those I love three. it. The one thing that gets tricky is Matthew and Luke tell them in a different order. Oh, do they? Okay. One of them. I can't remember which Matthew. one. So Matthew's, I believe it's Matthew or Luke who put them in the order that the, that his quotes from Deuteronomy come. So okay. it like matches the canon, yep. but the other, it's kind of, they're more increasing in more the intensity of it. I can't in, remember which one's Matthew, which. So they all have the same first one, yeah, but they're inverted. Yeah. Which one Which one does Matthew have? I think if I'm remembering correctly, Matthew is uh, stones to bread, throw yourself off the uh-huh. off the um, temple in Jerusalem or the highest point, and then the highest point in, in the mountain and look look over and I'll make you ruler over all this. I just, yeah, so those last two, Luke inverts. Flips them. And, those, and the temptation details are not narrated in Mark. So yeah. this is one of these places where Matthew and Luke seem to be working with a similar material, yeah. but ordering it differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's not to shoot down your idea as much as to say that the connection 
would be less sequential and more mm-hmm. substantive. So, yeah. so one of the ways, especially that last one, mm. the I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that lines up perfectly. In John, the book of John, the devil is often referred to as the archon of the world, the mm. prince of the world, the yeah. prince of this world. Does yeah. that sound familiar yeah. from kind of older mm-hmm. translations? So this is saying that he's, that Jesus is actually yes. the prince of the kingdoms of the earth, that he's over all of them. Mm-hmm. This is a root word for principle, you know, prince, which is interesting because if, and, and, and Paul in, I think Ephesians or another place, or maybe Corinthians, I can't remember where, refers to the devil as the, the prince of the air. Yeah. So this is standard apocalyptic language mm-hmm. that the devils, that God gives the devil kind of reign over the yep. earth. Yep in the time until he restores all things. And so to say, well, he's actually the prince of of all the kingdoms because the prince of this world has been cast out. Not that this may not be the same author as the gospel, John, but they clearly have overlapping insights and instincts. Wow. So I think there's a substantive connection that's very close and Mm -hmm. direct. Mm -hmm. And same with firstborn was the connection there because of the falling, like I'll keep you from dying. Yeah. And And it's like, no, no, I don't want to keep from dying. I'm going to die. That's that's what I was thinking. Genius. Genius. I was like, (laughs) Actually, he wasn't afraid of it's not the death part, you know what I mean? Like that that he was afraid of or anything like that. That he was actually gonna rise from the dead without the help of the angels he could have called. (laughs) And this is almost the title of Jesus in the New Testament. Yeah. It it, you're NLT, which I love, but then sometimes makes little things that are disappointing. Mm -hmm. This one disappointment, I loved the translation almost the whole time, except for first to rise from the dead. That's not, that's not what it says. Mm. It's firstborn yeah. from the dead. Okay. And I guess first arise says, okay, he, God's going to raise the rest. But mm-hmm. firstborn is even more explicit. That's oh, talking yeah, about absolutely. him being our older brother. Yep. We're all going to raise too. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he raised some people from the dead, but they, but in order, but back to life that they would die again. Yep. So they weren't, you know, those were like, as it were, healings, mm-hmm. not strict resurrections mm-hmm. in the sense that his is. Exactly. The firstborn from the dead. I mean, that that's in Romans 8. It's in a couple other places. It's almost like a title. Yeah. And wow. linked to him being like the son, right? Mm-hmm. It's the son of God. Mm-hmm. I do love all of these titles about Jesus. I, yeah. Wow. The faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. The kingdoms of the earth, that is straight same language as what's in Matthew and Luke. I mm-hmm. think that's almost identical. Yeah. Let's look. Should we look? I love this idea because. <laughs> Didn't mean to take us on a rabbit trail. It's not a rabbit trail at all because this is so, I mean, what's the name of the book we're reading? It's, tra- it's revelation. Yeah. But that's translating a word. Apocalypsis mm-hmm. of John, the apocalypse mm-hmm. yep. of John. And whenever Satan or angels show up, this is apocalyptic language, you know, so in Matthew, Matthew 4, 8, if we're specifically talking about the kingdom language, it says, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain mm. and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it to you if you kneel down and worship me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the world. So not earth, but oh well. <laughs> That's not a... Those are quasi-synonymous. I'm still going to look at Luke just for funsies to yeah. see if there's a difference there too. Luke Temptation also four? It's also four, yep. Also, I will admit, I never put together that Luke and Matthew's... Order's a little order different. Order's different. I would have never thought that. I think it's Luke who puts them... 
Yeah, you're you're right. It's it's flipped. I think it's Matthew who, as a, so the Jesus's quotes. Yeah, if, I don't know why it is that. Um, well, isn't it in Matt? It's after the it's after the temple temptation mm-hmm. that Satan quotes scripture back to him. Yes. So Matthew has that as the second thing, right? And Luke has it as the last thing. So that might be why. I don't know. Yeah, where is it? The kingdoms of the earth? There we oh, go. Oh, yeah, six, yeah. four, six. Here he even says that phrase, right? You know, I will give to you the authority, right? Implying mm-hmm. like that he has that authority. Yes. So it's very yeah. much linked to this idea. This is not a rabbit trail, I don't think. Maybe our <laughs> listeners are like, uh, John. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't even have that well, the kingdom's language. Well, and interesting. Going after that, they're mine to give to anyone I please. I mean, talk about Jeez. Yeah. entitlement. They've been handed to me, and I can give them to anyone. Yeah. So then, I think it's dead right. So then, you see how his death and then resurrection is linked to his triumph, mm-hmm. his authority, mm-hmm. and it's. I mean, the one way to take it is the devil is confuse he doesn't actually have this authority Mm -hmm. another way to take it is no god gave him this authority he gave him this he gave him a long leash as it were yeah on account of our sin or what have you and jesus takes it back (laughs) that's what death and resurrection achieves yeah among other things and if for you know for a lot of modern christians when we think about jesus death and resurrection we think about forgiveness of sins yes which is true and Um, typically only a individual forgiveness of sins. but here let's keep going to the one right to him who loved us mm-hmm. and freed. loosed us, yeah. freed, release. What do you have? Free. I have freed, uh, freed, freed us, great, yeah. great. Yours Unleashed. Is, is that? It's it's this like super generic word that means a gajillion things. Yeah. It's luo. It's the word for like that you use for like untying a sandal, like that famous quote. And <laughs> you know, John the Baptist says, "I can't loosen his sandal." Yeah. Is that same word here? Yeah. So it has a it has like this really wide range of yeah. uses. Not uh, as strong of a, of a imagery, right? But it is the word. But it's it's but also then, I've come to set the captives free. Yep, that yep. word, right? It's so it it's that's fast. The word for freedom, like for freedom, Christ to set you free in Galatians, yeah. is a variant of this word. Okay. So the word freedom comes from this loosening yeah. or releasing, unshackling, mm. right? So it's the everyday meaning actually is kind of fun. So. You know, to loose you from your sins mm. or our sins, our sins, my bad. Yeah. Our sins in his blood and six, and he has made us into a kingdom. There's kingdom language yep. again, right? So not only release us from sins, but then make us into a kingdom. Wow. The holy to be priests to his God and father. Yeah. I guess it starts switching in Towards the end of five and into six, now it's starting to describe us. Yeah. Right? Which might be a good place to take a break. Let's take a break and then come back and explore it some more. Let's do it. All right, we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, uh, Jordan Reif. Hello. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk about scripture with. <laughs> and so happy to have her on the show. We're looking at... Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. This is uh, the epistle lesson for um, Christ the King Sunday this year in year, I guess we're in year B. So this is like the last Sunday of the Christian year. Yeah. Historically. So let me read the text one more time. and But maybe maybe we'll talk a little about 
maybe talk a little bit about Christ the King Sunday too, and yeah, we can be connected awesome. to this text or not, and we'll see see where it goes. I love that. I'll just read it again though, just so it's in front of us. So, uh, John writing to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace uh, from the one who is and who was and who is coming, and from the seven spirits which are before the face of his throne and from Jesus Messiah, the faithful, the witness, the firstborn from the dead, the prince of the kingdoms of the earth to him who loves us and has released us from our sins in his blood and has made us a kingdom priests before God and father of ours or of him, excuse me, of his God and father to him, the glory and the, the authority I'll say unto the age of the ages. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes on the earth, all the tribes on the earth will mourn over him. Yes. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and the one who was and the one who is coming the one with authority over all the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, yeah. So I, I think it's great. Maybe it was on accident. Maybe it was on purpose that you were drawn to the description, the the titles of Jesus there and this being a text for Christ the King Sunday. But I know you have some thoughts and experiences about Christ the King Sunday. Maybe you'd want to say a little bit about that. You can link it to the text or you can just roll and we'll see where it goes. But Yeah. We started doing... Christ the King Sunday, oh, probably halfway into my time at the church that I'm serving at now. And at first, we kind of were just using the musical selections to tell the story of Christ through Advent, through Easter, and, and into ordinary time. But when you only have about 20 minutes, you have to be pretty selective with the songs you're choosing. And, and then another theme that we would kind of play with is the idea of Christ as prophet, priest, and king. Well, when we got the opportunity to do an entire service retelling the Christian year on Christ the King Sunday, that really excited us and kind of terrified us as well. So, <laughs> okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna do this all in in one service? Like condense everything we've learned through the whole Christian year into one hour and ten minutes, give or take a few. But truly, this idea of Christ as the Alpha and the Omega is behind what we're doing. The idea that uh-huh. we are when we start in Advent, waiting and longing for, um, remembering Israel's waiting, remembering our waiting for his second coming, and and then moving through the emotional ups and downs of Christ's life on earth, culminating then in Christ the King Sunday, which is uh, to celebrate that the hope of all of us rests on Jesus Christ and his victory is is incarnation and death and resurrection and ascension and second coming. So we attempt to celebrate that through singing and scripture and reenacting 
Christ's story. We come to the table. We recite creeds of the faith. We hear testimony to to who Christ is uh, for the church. And it's a really exciting Sunday. It's very creative, very emotional, very uh, grounded, I think, in scripture and in the historical practice of the liturgical year, which is a lot of fun for us. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, obviously Christ the King, which is a more sort of recently yeah, like the, holiday. like the 20s, yeah, it's not right? Old. Yeah, I mean, it's not old at all. So as it stands on its own, it's, oh, there it is. But it's conveniently like, it, it's been located as the last Sunday before Advent. Mm-hmm. So it sort of functions as a finale it does, yeah. to the Christian year, as well as an introduction to the Christian year, kind exactly, of all in one. Was that and. the rationale for kind of putting it there? Um, yeah. or you know, I, I'm just curious, like... Okay. Because one of the geniuses of I mean, like you and some others on your team and over the years have kind of moved in a more explicitly Christian year direction yeah. with worship in general, very mm-hmm. slowly and ja- gradually sort of nudging things. Yeah. And, but the funny thing is, is like, you know, the high holy days is the easy place to start. What was genius about it? I thought was like, well, nobody knows what, you know, not nobody, but you know, what I mean? nobody knows what Christ the King Sunday is. So let's use it for this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, if you, nobody had you did all that on a Christmas yes. or at Lent or during something that people already know about, it's like, why are you talking about this stuff? That's not related. Yeah. But like no one has any, not very few people have a lot of preconceptions about yeah. that Sunday. So it's like a really great Sunday to say, let's make explicit what we're doing all year. You so know. the idea of even walking through the entire Christian year, it, that, it, it, it originated the, the idea separate from Christ the King. So okay, I wondered, okay. Yeah. So over when you're a worship pastor, I feel like over time people have the idea of like, let's do a, a worship night. And what they mean by that, I think often is let's sing a lot of songs for an hour. Yeah. And, and I don't have anything against that. I think that I sometimes struggle with the planning of that. Like what, what's the, I don't know, maybe I'm too functional, but Daniel and I, yeah, <laughs> right, right, I'm trying not to you're say, very, like, but you're very curricular in the way you think. So yeah, like, what's the outcome and how, what are the, how do we get there? Yeah. And I have enough Pentecostalism, charismatic, you know, experience in my blood to, to be able to appreciate it. But as one who's being, who was being asked to lead it, I just, I was wanting something a little bit more formational or a little bit more grounding for me personally as the one who was planning this. So Daniel and I were talking about what could we do if we had an hour and this whole concept of let's walk through the Christian year in one service. That's how it originated. So the very first time we ever did it, it was a, it was a Sunday night in the summer. Okay. Yeah. And it was not that great (laughs) because we were so nervous. Every song was like, it was like way too fast. We were rushing through it, but the, those that were gracious enough to come and, and, and submit themselves to the experience, we got a lot of really great feedback about that. And so then, like you said, this, this concept of, okay, Christ the King doesn't really have a ton of expectations tied to it. The most we've done in the past is just kind of tweak the song set. Um, we included, you know, some more majestic instruments like a wind ensemble or a bell ensemble or a choir. But the idea of taking that, walking through the entire Christian year in one Sunday on Christ the King Sunday. So it is kind of the both and we're remembering what we've been through. We're looking to what's to come and, and celebrating the finale, but then also recognizing that next week we start this again. And for us, the, the concept that we come back to is Christ's story doesn't change, but we do. We come to this, Mm. we come to this differently. Um, One thing that I've been saying is, oh goodness, like after the couple of years we've had, how can any of us experience Advent? in the same way again, this idea of longing and waiting. Mm. We've felt that corporately more, at least 
in the last two years than we have in any other time in my life. So that's kind of how it originated and and how it came to be tied to Christ the King Sunday specifically. And it's worked for us. We've really enjoyed getting to do that. I love it. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it never even occurred to me until you said it. It's so obvious. And you've probably made it explicit and I just missed it. How this notion of Alpha and Omega and the one who is, was, is coming does sort of invite a kind of a zooming out. Yeah. Right. Cause so much in our lives, we're like kind of right up in mm-hmm. front of like, what's the thing that I'm dealing with right now. And even in church life, it's like, okay, the preacher has this text that they're preaching or this topic that they're talking about, mm-hmm. or we have these songs that are really cool. That yeah. We like a particular <laughs> line in or the melody or the beat or whatever. And those are the thing that's kind of right up in front of us. Mm-hmm. And, and all of those things are valid, but the question is kind of zooming out and saying, what structure do they place in? And of course the church year is not sort of handed down from on high in some mm-hmm. sort of way that binds our conscience. Yeah. But it is one particular articulation of something that does bind us by faith, yeah. which is this, this assertion that I am the Alpha and the Omega, mm-hmm. the one who is, the one who was, the one who is to come, the Almighty, the ruler of all things. Yes. You know? And that sort of taking the time from time to time in leading in the leading of worship and in preaching and in teaching and discipleship, taking the time from time to time to zoom out and sort of locate our experience, even our experience of God in the large mass. Yes. This massive story. And that's what it is. One united story from his perspective, even if we can't experience it that way. Yeah. Because of course, like he says, these are the seven spirits and these are going to correspond to the seven churches Mm -hmm. in a few chapters here. Mm -hmm. There's different experiences for each of these seven churches. So it's it's not an assumption that they're all facing the same trials. They're facing distinct trials Mm -hmm. and they have distinct vices and virtues Mm -hmm. and graces and gifts and challenges and prophecies and all that. Yeah. And yet this opening unites them all in the one who is who is and who was and who is to come. Yep. And that's, that's what has been so beautiful for the formation of my faith, at least personally with the Christian year is that it, it reorients my life to the story of God versus pulling God into like my specific circumstances and my specific struggles. And what we find often is that people are very overwhelmed. I hope in a good way, maybe sometimes Mm. in a bad way, overwhelmed by the service because you are moving through a lot of intense emotion in one Sunday where normally we would take a whole a whole year to do that. But I think, like you said, from time to time, it's healthy for us to remember that we belong to something so much bigger, so much grander, so much more powerful than our own experience. And yet God in his mercy, like we were just talking about before the break, invites us into that. Mm. I mean, how amazing it is that we even get, get mentioned you know? Yeah. I mean, it just, it blows my mind that we get to be a, a part character of that in this story. story too. I, it, yeah. It's so humbling and so exciting all at once. Yeah. We're, you could even say we are being incorporated into God's own identity because God is the one who loves us. Mm-hmm. The one who freed us, right? The one who has made us into a kingdom. Yeah. That's who God is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What are you laughing about? It seems the same thing as me. Yeah, I don't know. Just like, oh, wait, what? We can form God's identity. Well, we can't. No, he does. Yes, yeah. In reference to us. Yes, yeah. Right? So this is him identifying himself with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is seeing the eternal will, choice, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, uh, to become incarnate. Yeah. 
to incorporate humanity into God's identity, which, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously you got to be careful with an idea like that. Having said that, what does it mean for him to be the one who is and who was and who is to come? So if mm-hmm. he's the one who is to come bearing the flesh of this first century Jew, mm-hmm. well, you said if God doesn't change, then somehow that's always who he was in some sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you gotta, you can't, you can't say that in a way that denies that it happened. It was an event that took place in time. Mm-hmm. And yet, as we'll hear later in this very same book, he's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What does well, that mean? Not how wrong. are we supposed to understand? No, he, yeah, he, he, was, he died 2,000 years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, but from from another point of view, yeah. if he's really the prince of this world, then, you know, he's the lamb slain from yeah. the beginning. Yep. <laughs> Shivers. I know. I know. It's just like, let's just all go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just take a break there and come back and explore some sermon starters. <laughs> And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. We're looking at Revelation uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 for Christ the King Sunday with our guest Jordan Reif. So let's explore some sermon stars. We already got some ideas about, you know, uh, worship planning. And of course, a lot, of, if someone heard this six days before Christ the King Sunday, it's probably too late. Although, if you're like really have nothing going on, like, and yeah. you don't have a plan, you know. Is there footage of what you guys have done? Oh, Has yeah. it been recorded? Yeah. Where'd be the easiest way it. to see that if uh, someone so wanted to Co- see it? College Wesleyan Church is our YouTube name. And, okay. and if you search Christ the King Sunday, we've been doing this. It's breathtaking. I absolutely love <laughs> it. I really do. <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, we, we've done it on a Sunday morning for Christ the King Sunday, probably for the last, I think this is our fifth year, mm-hmm. so the last four years, something like that. And any of those, I mean, all of them have their own little moments where you Gosh, I wish I could redo that. Or oh, I wish course. the camera angle was different. Or, but, but the basic idea. The basic idea someone. is is there as well. Um, and not to do a shameless plug for my husband's book, but Daniel wrote a book called Living yeah. Christ, which is about the Christian year in totality. But he has a section on Christ the King Sunday, and then he also in his appendix has outlined one of our or a basic example of our Christ the King service. So that'd be another area if yeah. you're looking to plan. I don't know if I would recommend doing it six days before. Yeah, it's a little but, too. Anything at least you get the idea. Well, yeah. if, if you're a worship leader listening to this or teaching a Sunday school or anything and with a small group or whatever, mm-hmm. and just want to explore some of exactly. those themes, yep. even if you don't do it as a full blown uh, service. Yeah. Because things start small. Like you said, yep. you started. That's how we started. Yeah, right. Yeah. Three songs. We just and, were intentional with that. I mean, I love the disruption of the calendar year that's created by the Christian year starting, mm-hmm. you know, six weeks or so before. But having said that, at least as a first initial exposure, you could do something like this on a kind of a New Year's mm-hmm. week kind of. That's often kind of a weird dead Sunday that people don't know what to do with. Yeah. The one after Christmas, yep. you know. It's like New Year, New Year. Yeah, right. You know? And so that's a natural place to – you could actually – introduce in a non in a, in a way that's not heavy handed at all yeah. introduce kind of okay what have we done mm-hmm. and what's coming up you yep, know i mean exactly yep. and just a thought for what it's worth but all right so now i know that you generally don't preach full length sermons having said that <laughs> you do these worship words these paragraphs occasionally <laughs> when you're leading worship and sometimes Mandy and I lean over and like, I'm done. We can go. Like, we're like, that's the sermon for today. It's so oh, good. No. Having said that, no pressure, but like what, just thinking worship words, not full blown sermon. Cause I don't want to put you on the spot in that way, but like, 
what are the kind of worship words that might be inspired by this text for you today? Where, where, and, and, and I don't know your process as a writer, how you compose that stuff. Yeah, me neither. So maybe one well, day I'll let's make that it, out. Maybe you, well, maybe you, maybe you're going to realize it as you speak now. Like yeah. if you had this text in front of you and maybe it was for Christ the King or some other Sunday, but you had this text and you wanted to build something with it. How do you get started? I'm just curious what that would look like. Yeah. A lot of times my worship words, they serve to either help build a bridge from one song to the next or to get us into a posture. It's so easy to sing and not really even know what you've just sung or mm. to sing it in, in kind of your own individual understanding of wherever you are in that moment. And again, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong, but I do think that the church is singing together and that there can be higher reasons to sing often. Mm. And and so I try in all of my worship words, even though I'm not explicitly saying now this is what Paul says, or this is what I try to use scripture as the basis for that. So I very rarely quote verbatim, but I'm using. Is it sometimes from an illusion or a thematic connection from something in a song that yeah, the song are about to sing? Yeah, it can be a connection in a song or it can be like, how am I, how can I get, how can I get us from, from this position to, so, so last week, for instance, I actually prayed instead of just speaking to the congregation, mainly because as I was wrestling with my words, we're going into the song, heal our land. I'm, tr- I'm blanking on the song we were coming from, but this, oh, Waymaker, Waymaker into heal our land. And this concept of, okay, we've just sung that God makes a way, that God is the light in the darkness, that he is, he is, has full authority. And yet the next song we're going to sing is a recognition of brokenness. Mm. And so in my mind, if I'm sitting there going like, okay, well, he was the way maker. Why, why do we need to sing heal our land? Well, it's because things are not yet how they should be. And, huh. and, and not only have we played a part in that, but there is, there is real evil and there is real pain around us. And so I wrote a prayer of lament based out of Psalm three and just prayed that hopefully with the congregation and over the congregation so when I when I write my words, I'm I'm trying to think, okay, where where are we going with this? And using scripture as as hopefully an influence to crafting those words. So again, looking specifically at this, there's there's a lot here. I usually try to find one or two things, but if I were to use something of this, man, let me let me just think for a second. Go for it. I wasn't ready for this question. So the section, um, all glory, the, the latter half of verse five, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father, all glory and power to him forever. forever. One area that that could go specifically thinking of our context and our service, that verse um, could be a great bridge from Easter to ordinary time. Mm. So this idea of, okay, it's not the Christian year doesn't end at Pentecost. Rather, it's again, it's this both and it's the it's the eighth day language to realizing that ordinary time now is Christ's life in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are actors in this story as well, actors and actresses. So that could be worship word language to getting us to the celebration of ordinary time, coming to the table. That would be one area. Verse seven is super interesting. We haven't even gotten there yet, but the idea of (laughs) even those who pierced him, all nations of the world will mourn for him be interested to hear your thoughts on on those two but i'm thinking in the idea of 
What, what does corporate lament look like? Corporate confession. So the season of Lent lends itself to that and looking to the reconciliation and to the healing that is to come. That could be language there. And then verse eight is just what a powerful thing to hear as a benediction or sending language. I mean, it misses the, it misses the blessing aspect of a benediction, but, but powerful words to hear at the end of a service when you've just experienced it also at the beginning, but also, yeah, I would say like, it, how cool would it be to hear it at the beginning? experience the, the story and then hear it again at the end. Well, as it does here in this text itself yes. opens with who is and who was and who is to come. Mm-hmm. That's the opening and the ending. That's clearly a kind of what would be called an inclusio yeah. in in literary exegesis. That, yeah. That's the signal that this is a section in a mm-hmm. way, you know, the beginning and end mm-hmm. kind of. I mean, you almost have like you almost have like the outline of a worship service in this one text yeah. in a way, yeah. right? It's that's like all I, the pieces are there. That's why I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. There's a lot here. <laughs> right. There's this grace and peace coming from God, the spirit, Christ, <laughs> the narration of Christ's life in kind of short form, mm-hmm. our incorporation into that. Like you said, that's like this. Yeah. It's all here. Perfect kind of ordinary time maneuver. Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> And one section and four verses. <laughs> I know. It's wow. bonkers. Yeah. So, so any, uh, any last little thoughts about, so I, I should mention like when you compose kind of these worship words that are transitional, do you usually actually write them out? I mean, they sound written in a good way, mm-hmm. but you, I think you usually kind of internalize them or memorize yeah. them. Yeah. A good friend of ours, Dave Ward, actually in the last couple years has helped me refine the actual delivery of the words a little bit better. So for years and years, I would write them and and truly try to memorize it. Mm. And I found myself and still do to some extent dreading that part of the service. Mm. And Dave sat down with me one time and said, Jordan, you are writing for the eye, but you're speaking for the ear. And And so the way that you are writing is so dependent upon, well, this leads to this, which leads to this, but that's not how we talk. We talk mm. kind of all around and this the way idea this text does yes, this text. It's all over the place. Just kind of, it's not in some kind of chronological order, but it flows. Yeah. And, works. and he said, one of the reasons I think you feel so afraid and I'm, he, this wasn't verbatim, but this is what I internalized. One of the reasons you're feeling fearful is because you are memorizing a script versus having more of a conversation or delivery of thought. And so what he encouraged me to do, and he switches this process, I think, depending on if you're more external or internally processing. But he said, I would, if I was, if I were you, because I'm an external processor, I would externally process it a few times, say it a few different ways to yourself, to your friends, anyone that will listen to you, then write it and then say it again a couple of times and then don't look at it. Mm-hmm. So I, I do write everything that I say but it's after I've said it a few times and the Sundays where I feel the most in my skin are the the times where I don't need to look down because I can say it two or three different ways and it doesn't really matter. I also find myself more comfortable when I can have some kind of sticky imagery to, to connect to a more theological or biblical concept. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about being made in the image of God that we're sons and daughters. And I used a the silly example of, of our daughter Evie looking like Daniel and I, and it's, Mm. it's, it shocks people because, you know, she looks a lot like both of us. Right. And we know how babies are made. We know that this is how it works. Right. And yet at the same time, it's so surprising and so exciting. And in the same way, God has called all of us to bear his image that we can actually look like Christ, that we can look like and sound like the spirit. I mean, what in the world? Like, so 
when you have that image, kind of a sticky image like that, those are the weeks that I get really excited to talk because it feels so much more natural, but that doesn't I mean, you happen. You just walk through the image yeah. and how it clicked with something that you were learning. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't try to force that all, every week. I try not to force worship words at all in general. Uh, it's funny, the trans journey I've been on rather with speaking. I, there was a season in my life where I felt like I wanted to talk all the time. And then there was a season where I didn't want to talk at all. And now I'm probably somewhere in the middle of like, sometimes I get really excited to share and other weeks I'm like, I wish I could just, let's just play four songs and keep going. But I do believe in the power of scripture and the power of um, the formative power of words. And so using my words to help our congregation have a formative conversation with God is important to me. Well, everything you just shared, though you do it in in sort of shorter form than some sermons, which are probably all too long anyway, but <laughs> everything you just said would apply. This is extremely good preaching advice. Yeah. Like to really, you know, to have a core image, you know, to have it linked to an idea, mm-hmm. to internalize more than memorize, yeah, but also to construct words. Like yeah. I think a lot of people are in, tend to be in one or two extremes, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're like, they're writing too much down and too, too stuck to their notes. Yeah. And then it, the worry is about being faithful to the notes or thinking that my notes and these people, and I have to build some bridge between yep. them. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> um, or a kind of total extemporaneous extreme where, and which sometimes results in like killer stories that you have no idea how they relate to the yeah. text because you didn't take the time to make that explicit for yourself. Yep. It made sense in your head. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that kind of crafting and that moving back and forth between expression and composition mm-hmm. I just think it's really good. It's just really good <laughs> advice. So thank you for sharing it. I appreciate yeah, you're it. You're welcome. Well, thanks, Jordan. I really appreciated the time. So you fun gave. to be and here. Yeah. Thanks to, as always to Todd and Eric for their production work. Can't imagine doing this without them. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. Uh, and thanks to all our listeners uh, for getting the word out about the show and for being faithful uh, week in and week out. And especially to our patron saints who support the show. Uh, go to patreon.com slash fresh text. If you want to become a patron of the show and get some extra content. And with that said, say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.